Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Recently, I had the opportunity with my daughter, along with David and Leah Zanola, to visit Cirque du Soleil, Drawn to Life. This show has just recently achieved its first anniversary this month. This is the second show the Cirque Group has hosted at what was originally Downtown Disney, but is now Disney Springs at Walt Disney World. We'll look in depth as to whether this show is worth the ticket to attend. We'll take a look at what makes the show succeed and how it compares to the original show in this venue, La Nuba. If you are considering attending this show, this review will definitely be worth the time. Check out Cirque du Soleil's 50th production, Drawn to Life, a review. By the way, make sure you check out DisneyAtPlay.com where we will have kind of an overview of everything that we'll talk about in this podcast and um, a couple of links and videos. And I, you definitely want to make sure while you are there to subscribe to DisneyAtPlay.com so you could be notified of upcoming podcasts as they come along. If you like our podcast, please make sure you head over to... Um, to uh, iTunes or to your podcast uh, source and please give us a good uh, rating or review. It helps the littlest podcast that could. So when I think of Cirque du Soleil, I immediately think of Lanuba, which had a long run from December 23rd, 1988 to January 31st of 2017. That is nearly a 20-year run that the show held. Now, there are, I think, Lanuba, for all intents and purposes, is kind of falls on the U-curve, where either you loved it or you hated it. And unfortunately, I was one of those people who, while I had seen it, while I had taken business groups to it, I just was not a Lanuba fan. The show, if you recall, it kind of dealt with um, kind of two groups of people, those who were magical or circus-like people and those who were urbanites, who who were um, in a, a dark, dismal world of today. And the idea is that those who are circus-like brings life and color into the dull world. Well, the dull world is is largely represented in my mind by the cleaning lady that would was in the show, um, and uh, and the circus world was represented by many things, good and bad. I loved the I loved the uh, the uh, young um, Chinese girls who had their um, uh, routine. Um, and, and everybody remembers the acrobat who flew in the air. Some remember the peacock singer that kind of sat up high and just kind of croaked. Peacocks are very, make really bad noises. Anyway, it just, it never appealed to me. It never attached to me. I did take groups. I like Cirque du Soleil. I like how it transforms a traditional circus experience. But there was no... Um, there was no heartburn in my soul when La Nuba left the building. And frankly, 
that's probably why it's taken me a year to get around to doing Drawn to Life. Probably it also a little bit of encouragement from David Zanola about doing it. Um, at any rate, what they did announce as a replacement was this idea of Cirque du Soleil and Disney combining to create a show that had a very Disney-founded theme to it. And that's what they went into the creation of building is developing that show. And it was going to premiere on April 17th of 2020. But because of COVID, the pandemic stopped the show just three days before they officially premiered. They had they had cast the show, they had rehearsed the show, they had put the show completely together, and then they stopped. So it is, in my view, a miracle that they managed to pull this cast largely back together again after an 18-month blackout and pull the show together and re-release it, which it did finally premiere on November 18th of 2021, which was one year ago, November 18th being symbolic because um, that is Mickey Mouse's birthday. By the way, I think that's important because this year, and not to go down a big rabbit hole, but there has been a recent Mickey Mouse um, a documentary that um, involved a team of um, artists to include Eric Goldberg. And they kind of put together this little documentary. If you like that documentary on Mickey Mouse, you're going to love this show. It's even more of that. In fact, one of the crazy and strange things about that documentary is that it didn't cite Bob Chapek. Rather, that instead, it cited uh, Bob Iger, which was only like a couple of days away from the announcement that, that uh, Bob Chapek was... Uh, was removed and Bob Iger would come back to the Disney show. So kind of ironic. Do check out that show. Check out Eric Goldberg and his team of animators who put together key moments in Mickey's life into one kind of one minute reel. It's a great little show if you haven't done that. Um, the, uh, the story, what I think makes this show work is that I have a clear storyline that is a thread throughout the entire show. It, it, the challenge with a Cirque type show is you're tempted to say, okay, what acts do we have available that would be really cool? And then try to figure out how those acts come together um, with, with the story or the kind of thematic um, presentation you are wanting to make. And I just feel really... I feel very much that that the story more drove who would appear in the show as opposed to vice versa. What is going on here is that there is a 12-year-old girl named Julie and her father, who is an animator, has passed on. But he has left her a challenge to complete a set of drawings that he had begun. Now, when I say a set of drawings, we are talking about traditional animation style where you have 24 drawings per second of animation. And it's drawn by pencil, not by computers. 
Not to say that there aren't a few characters like Olaf who kind of show up, but they show up more as pencil characters than they do as um, as a computer graphic style characters. So, um, so she now it, it, despondent about her father's death must come and find her creative self and find the imagination within her to spring forth in not just completing the task of finishing this animation, but in moving forward her own life. And that journey, that experience is depicted in acrobatic and artistic styles. The end result is not just a story of a girl's journey, but is a love letter to classic Disney animation. And let me tell you, as someone who loves, if you love classic Disney animation, you, you must see this show. It is, if you remember the magic of Disney animation, which by the way, there's a new book on that. I hope to review that at some point soon. But if you love the, the exhibit, the magic of Disney animation at Disney's Hollywood Studios, originally at Disney MGM Studios, this is, this takes this to a new theatrical level that is inspiring. It begins with the pre-show prior to the uh, the time of the show, which is my my most important probably hint that I'm going to give you is you need to be there 30 minutes before opening because there's a whole set of things that are just nonchalantly working on stage. And in it, you see that Julie has kind of come to a big sofa chair and has fallen asleep. And there is this first dream sequence, which allows them to do a bunch of different things um, on the set. One of those things is that they they draw a bunch of children at play. And by the way, it, um, if you pay the premium price and you have you have children that are kind of in that eight to 12 range, maybe maybe six to 12 range, you're gonna wanna get seats that are pretty much toward the front and center of the, the show because they're gonna have a chance to come on stage and do their own drawings. And they show those drawings up on the screen before the show begins. It's just really a delightful thing. Um, meanwhile, a, a trio of, of musicians comes out and they begin to play, um, which is the song, A Little Wooden um, Puppet. And this is probably one of the only times where you actually have a fairly clear, it's fairly the Disney song in as, as you would hear it in the show. And they're playing this and these clowns and animator clowns kind of and and animate and clown acrobats are kind of doing a bunch of different things. The the animators are kind of hosting these children and doing some things around the audience. Meanwhile, the this group of uh, of uh, gymnasts who later will do kind of a squash and stretch teeterboard act, they've come in with rubber bands. Now the theory is there is a story told that one time animators got into this rubber band fight and there were all these rubber bands stuck to the ceiling. At any rate, they have these big elastic 
rubber bands and they are they are throwing them at the audience and the audience is throwing it back and it's just lots of crazy little things there's a little scene where there's a little moment i'll have the video in uh, where uh, my daughter had gone to get popcorn ends up throwing popcorn kernels at one of the animators it's just a very clever cute just a lot of things to entertain you as the show uh, begins to get underway and then you see um, the first act begins, or the show begins, and you hear this letter written from the father to, to Julie that explains how much he loves her and how he has left for her this set of drawings that he hopes she can finish and continue. And, and so her task, and you see these animation sheets kind of stretched out across the very top of the proscenium. Ultimately, these are going to be drawn by Julie, and it's and it's very very clever how it all works. But but uh, the first group is what we refer to as the inner world of animation. They're a team of acrobats, I think about six or eight, that that mimic animation in a step by step style. So when you draw something like Donald Duck pulling a punch or Goofy walking along or even a puddle of water, these animators kind of these, these acrobats show each of what the line drawings would have looked like. And in fact, their costumes, their costumes are black and white sketches. They're, they're white costumes or paper color costumes with black sketches on them and then red on top of it, which symbolizes corrections made to the animation to get the right, or, or finish lines that, that the artist wants those who are going to trace the drawings to follow later on. And so they do the first act. They're jumping on this very large um, set of animation sheets, which then be, is actually just um, kind of a, a big uh, bounce uh, uh, trampoline kind of thing. And it ultimately gets sucked in um, and they move along, and then you were introduced to these four animators who become Julie's friends. They must have been fellow colleagues of her father, and they come in with their animation a desk. You have traditional animation desks, one of which comes to life, and they're introduced to, they introduce Julie to animation and what it's all about. We're also introduced to this character called Crumple who is this wad of paper. Imagine you take a bunch of paper and you wad it up as if you're going to throw it away. She is seemingly an antagonist, um, but Julie eventually will understand her and that will help Julie's own journey. Um, that, that is the sec second major act. Then we get into an aerial pencil. And this is a male gymnast. Gymna he's both a gymnast and a dancer. And he does this routine where he holds on to this pencil um, off of a wire and he goes up in the air. But every time he comes down, he draws out um, a, a character out on the paper on the floor. And this is, this is all done with projection, but his movement dictates the drawing on the floor. It's very clever. And of course, this gymnast is just beyond amazing in terms of his strength and talent. That then transfers to what's called forced and stilts, where some colossal pencils that, that are, well, really are there, I say pencils, they're um, um, stilted 
um, pencils. And they're, and they're way up high, and they, too, kind of support Julie and her self-doubt about drawing. Because you can see Raya Fan, she's kind of, she's wanting to draw, but she doesn't see her drawing being equivalent to her father's talented skill, and it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right to her. And you keep seeing her make an effort to draw and, and bring this together. And meanwhile, Crumple comes along as if to say, well, I'll throw away another paper and, and, and so forth, and you can't do this and so forth. Eventually, this leads to a set of sheets or animation sheets. Um, they're called comforting sheets. And along with a large gloved hand, these animation sheets help Julie uh, re relate to familiar and beloved Disney characters, such as Baloo the Bear. And the and these sheets are dancers in, in these sheets at the same time um, they have projections going on them. It's so clever, the work of projections in this show. And definitely this is one of those times that that happens. It gives way to something called the Dream of Colors. And here we have a pair of gymnasts. And there is a very large wheel. And the background is originally, initially white. But then as they form this, if you think of a color wheel, if you're familiar with that in art, this color wheel comes to life and introduces animation, or, or introduces color, and all this color is in the style of Mary Blair's um, drawing. So you see a lot, so the, the coach that Cinderella has and the Mary Blair, these backdrops, and she, Mary Blair really didn't do backdrops for the for actual animation scenes. Rather, she created that sense of style that would be used by background artists and animators and so forth. And you see this come to life in this thing called Dream of Colors, and there are pools of lighting. And this kind of brings in, initially brings in these blue fairies, Although one in at one point there's um, they have these gowns on and there's a pool of red and a pool of a uh, green and a pool of blue just like the three fairies in Sleeping Beauty and and these pools of color work with them but but eventually it's given to what's referred to as Garden of Lines and these blue fairies who are on unicycles um, do this playful act which essentially is giving permission for Julie to find her inner child. From there, we come to uh, uh, two powerful scenes. The first is using the 1937 animated uh, Academy Award winning short, The Old Mill. It is a short, and if you recall, The Mill is, um, it's got these, you know, four panels on it that, um, that are on a wheel. Well, what we have are four wheels that form a sort of mill, and these artists are combating evil, and we bring in a lot of Disney villains during the scene, and a lot of storm elements, and a lot of darkness, but these artists are are moving the wheel of the old mill as they are on top of this, and inside of these, these four um, separate wheels all spinning in a row. It's very very clever and very good use of, of, of what is sometimes a largely unfamiliar piece of Disney animation, but was critical in as Disney tried to establish a more formal 
um, professional style of animation in anticipation of what would come next, which was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. From here, we move into a scene called Hand to Hand Love. And Julie is in the corner and she has this sort of musical revolving lantern. And you could even tell from halfway past that the lantern has different Disney characters on it. You have Eric and Ariel. You have Prince Naveen and Princess Tiana. You have Aurora and Prince Philip. And finally, you have Beauty and the Beast, which essentially are the four Disney characters which have been drawn as dancing in, in a film. And they are on this, and she seemingly seems to fall asleep at this point. But what emerges is this scene where Julie's mother sees her husband, Julie's father, and together they provide a sort of suspended dance. Now, technically, she is on some kind of wire, but the slow motion of this and the smoothness of this dance is powerful. It comes with this orchestration that very similar to Beauty and the Beast, and it is an emotional moment in the film. In fact, I would dare say that this is the moment that really is the turning point for Julie. And at the end of this scene, in the final portion of this act, a large scrim, circular scrim, envelops Julie's mother and father. And on this scrim, you then see beauty and all four of these princes and princesses dancing and in their animation of them dancing on the screen on these screens while you see Julie's mother and father within it is an emotional powerful moment probably one of the most powerful moments i have seen in theater from there you emerge Julie seems to come alive she reemerges and through a a scene called Squash and Stretch. Now, Squash and Stretch suggests that Disney animation isn't so boom, 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 but rather characters actually have motion within them that that tends to either uh, stretch out their bodies or compress them. And so what you see is this teeterboard. We see the Elastamen who, you know, have these rubber bands. They come back again and using... Um, a teeterboard, they um, move Julie from the stilted to the suspended. And, and what we're seeing here across the proscenium of the archway is that Julie herself is coming alive. And she is now in this place where she can truly draw and come alive. And, and, and um, you see her individual drawings come to life above this proscenium. And, uh, and, it's, and it's just beautiful how it all comes and depicts. And you see her truly kind of flying or soaring uh, through the end of it. And it weaves then into a scene called Swing to Swing. And that really brings out the idea that Julie's spirit is set free as a, a swing to swing team of female acrobats fly through the air. 
allowing Julie to symbolically fly into the arms of her father and and kind of make her final goodbye as she moves on in life. And there are Disney princesses and women that are depicted throughout this scene in the backdrop and so forth. And it is, it, it just soars. It soars. This act just moves through the air and it just does this beautiful job and it brings us all to what is the finale of this show. Now, um, by the way, all of this is done as what I recall being an hour and a half in length. Um, I should tell you what this show is not, even though I've now gone into this lengthy description of what it is. So you understand that this show is not a traditional circus. So if you're thinking of Barnum and Bailey, if you're thinking about a one ring or three ring circus, it is not. It does use elements of a circus in the sense that it uses a lot of acrobatic, gymnastic performers, the, sen the sense and use of clowns, though not traditional clowns. It also uses a lot of multiple things that go on on a stage, and which was the idea of the three ring circus act. There's, there's only one center stage, but there are many things that often are depicted on the stage as it goes on. So that is, that is one way in which this show is not like a traditional circus. The second thing I would say is that this is not a traditional Disney character show. At no point do you see uh, Mickey Mouse coming out and leading, you know, the band, nor do any, at any point do you see a character like Peter Pan, a face character like Cinderella come in. Their, their depictions are throughout the show, but they are depicted via animation, not via a live um, costume performance. Uh, nor do you have, while there is dance in the show, nor do you have a Kids of the Kingdom style dance kind of number going on. It is not a replay or montage of Disney songs and animation. Everything that happens, happens for a reason. The music is, is uniquely, I'll talk about the music in a moment, but Music is uniquely uh, designed for this show, and it is not just like you're seeing this montage of Disney songs and animation. And the final thing I would also say is the show focuses on drawn animation, hand-drawn style of animation, not CG, not computer graphics, but hand-drawn animation as you go through this. Now, what is the effect? How does this show work? I've invited... Um, to, I've invited um, the Zanolas along with my daughter to talk about what they saw worked or didn't work in that show. So let's hear from them. And then I'm going to go through the elements of the show and give you my review. We are here to talk about uh, Drawn to Life. We just saw and uh, we're here at Disney Springs. So pardon all the craziness of the street, but uh, we just want to get some uh, thoughts and opinions from each of you. So Madison, I'm going to start with you. Tell me what uh, what you liked, what worked for you, what didn't work for you out of that show. First of all, the entire show was phenomenal, but the one but the one scene that blew me the way the most was the owl scene, where you just have these performers inside these kind of hamster wheels that seem to rotate around, and they walk in them they do jumps uh, they do flips it I mean I could watch that all day um, 
She's mentioning the, I think you said the owl scene, but really it's it's themed to the old mill, um, one of Disney's first Oscar-winning shorts. And, uh, and they use these four spinning wheels as sort of a, uh, the wheel of the mill. And so, um, and, and that act really impressed me. Oh, yes, it did. As for the scene that, now, e- each of the scenes were really good. The one that kind of uh, put me off guard was when they were on this kind of, I, I don't know what it's called, but it happened after the dance between the parents, where they uh, hop up and down. Um, I just thought that was kind of a weird mood shift. You have this uh, pretty somber but sweet scene going on, and then you have all this uh, hopping and and kind of clownery going on. It was just kind of a weird mood shift, but it was still it was still fun. It was still really fun to watch. Okay, Leah, tell us, uh, tell us what you now. You've seen Lanuba yes. before, so offer a little bit of comparison there too. But tell me where you were on the show. Well, first of all, I'm glad that we have Jeff here to explain that it was from the old mill because I just watched it for what I could see, not knowing that it was some part of, of Disney history. That will be homework for everybody listening to this podcast. Yeah, I should have assumed that it was. Um, I mean, it's similar to, the style is similar to La Nuba in that there's something happening everywhere. Like, even when you're watching one main thing happening on the stage, if you shift your gaze to another part of the stage, there's something else happening kind of all over all the time. So, my favorite was probably the acrobat. He was uh, doing, like, aerial acrobatics, hanging from a pencil. Normally, they're on, like, a ribbon or something like that, but this was, like, a, a pole that was a pencil, and so flying around in the air. In Lanuba, he was, uh, the gentleman was on kind of a, just a rope, right. um, and, and swung from a rope. In this case, it was kind of um, a pencil-type device, which actually would draw on the ground as he swung the pencil and, and hung from it. Yeah, those, those acts are always my favorite because they're up so high and it's just amazing that they can hang on and not not fall off and amazing that they're strong enough to just, you know, he just jumped on this pencil and hung by his legs. So that's what always impresses me. All right, David. It's, it's, it's Cisco Ebert now. Tell us, tell us where you're coming from, buddy. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the two people behind us telling us every time they thought they saw somebody hooked up to a wire. That was a delight. Uh, my favorite. Is it now? Let me just stop here and say, people, if you're going to take popcorn into a show, think about how you move your paper and your popcorn during the quietest moment of the show. That is not the moment you move the paper and the popcorn. And I think that happened last week in Wakanda forever. And it, I couldn't believe it was happening again tonight. It just it was phenomenal. Uh, I would probably say one of my favorites was the they were fairies, right, on, uh, on unicycles. And they first came out and I thought, all right, these are unicycles, whatever. You're going to see that, you know, at a city carnival. But then they started doing their twirls on them, and it was uh, like ballet on unicycles. Yes, it was pretty. It was pretty impressive. I actually, my favorite part of it, I liked the music a lot. I thought the way that they weaved in the Disney music, but clearly new orchestrations and everything, I thought was fantastic. I'd go, I'd go pay to see a Disney movie with like a score, with you know, with, with an Alan Menken score behind it inside of that theater with that sound, that sound system. 
Yeah, we're missing the days of where you'd go buy the CD afterwards, but I'm going home to figure out where you can find it (laughs) streaming-wise. Because that music, if if anything, I would have even liked a little bit more Disney, but make no mistake, you... the context of Disney music was was weaved entirely throughout that show, and uh, and I think that really stood out uh, as as a key part of what we experienced. Agreed. I actually thought it was pretty great that you didn't quite know what Disney songs were being played. You really had to pay attention. I didn't think it was it wasn't as over the top Disney as you think it's going to be for being at Disney. Maybe that's just me. Maybe you disagree. But no, no, I agree. We kind of had to pay attention and say, is that this song? And it was because they've been remade so much that or, it's not... Or they didn't pick the main melody of the song. Like at the very beginning, there was a piece from Let It Go, but it wasn't the it wasn't the chorus. It was from a verse, and I couldn't think of what it was, and they switched to Whole New World, and it was just really good stuff for Disney music fans. My, my real fear was that they used animation is a starting point but it really wasn't going to have any real disney sense of animation and i i felt that it it was a very disney experience Agreed. would you agree what do you think madison yes it was a great disney experience i like how the they interwoven the animation with the with the show yeah anybody want to build on that yeah, no, I think it was very similar to when we saw the new uh, Moana redos at the Polynesian Rooms, and we had said there were Moana touches, but it wasn't overdone. I thought that's kind of what it was here. There was Disney at the core of it, but also you could have enjoyed it without being a Disney fan, and it wouldn't have mattered, if that's a good way to, to put it. Right, I think that's right. There weren't There was Disney in the animations on the projections, but there weren't... Disney characters dancing around. So yeah, not I think, a single Disney character in the show in terms of a costume character at all. Right. So I don't think you have to be a major Disney fan. I right. think if you enjoy entertainment and Cirque du Soleil, you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. Don't don't come if you think the traditional Disney characters are going to come out and and perform or swing on a wire or something of that nature. It's, this is not, you're going to find Peter Pan on a wire. So it, that would be amazing if Mickey Mouse came in on a trapeze or the seven dwarfs were doing, the, <laughs> David is pantomiming, ripping his shirt off like the aerial acrobatist did. Yes. Yeah. That would be, no. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's a little bit of a step up from Jeff's favorite show, The Golden Mickeys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> You are you are so dead on that comment. <laughs> Hold on, Madison. It's still like Cirque du Soleil. Like they still have their Cirque du Soleil style. Them adding Disney doesn't really change all that much. I think the problem I had with Lanuba is while there were very talented people in that show, I didn't find the thread. I didn't find the the beginning, middle, and end. I couldn't see the story. This clearly had a story to tell and I felt I, I could I could see the arc of that story play out as we went through. Yeah, I think that's true. Lanuba was something about a housekeeper but that's all that I know. I don't know that there was an exact story. This one, yeah, you saw very clearly beginning to end. People who are listening right now are screaming at their 
radios, their cars, whatever it is, saying there was a story to Anuba, <laughs> but I don't know that it was as... Something about it, a housekeeper. Yeah, something about a disgruntled housekeeper. I don't know. Lanuba <laughs> must mean the, the... The housekeeper. The maid. I don't know. Um, but, uh, no, no, I, no, I agree. Lanuba, no service. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? I'm just now remembering the maid. And that, <laughs> yeah. that, now I really do remember how much I didn't like. I fell asleep in both the times I had seen Lanuba over the years. So I didn't I, I didn't really hang with it. This was a very different experience for me. And and I for that I, I really appreciate it. But I thought this did what Disney does best, assuming Disney had a really big hand in writing this, you know, in doing the show. It was it, it had it had emotion, but it also had humor at the same time as all of the acts doing their thing where you went. I mean there were a couple times where I grabbed Leah's arm thinking, Oh he's gonna fall, oh he's gonna fall and they did so it was a good blend of, of thrill, of emotion and humor and they did what Disney does well in their movies for so many years. Yeah, it plays out what animation plays yeah. out well at. Like the the owl scene that Madison was talking about, you were like, "Oh no, oh no, oh no!" I was like curled down in my seat because I was worried that something was going to happen. I didn't want to see it. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, one last thing: it's a hundred and forty-five dollar ticket. Would you pay to go see it again? <laughs> yeah, that Leah. Thank just... you for telling that to my wife while she's sitting next to me, Jeff. You could have put that in in post. Hold on. I would like to come back. I would like to come back to see what to see the scenes that really blew me away. I thought it was really wonderful. Good. You can pay for your mom to do it because she missed out this evening. <laughs> That's a longer story for another podcast. Uh, what, what did you think? Yes, I would absolutely see it again. I mean, yeah. uh, again, you're a travel agent. Would you say, you know, you really need to carve time to go see the show? I think if you like live theater, I don't know that I do it on your first trip, but I think if you like live theater and if you're a big fan of Disney animation, then yeah, if you can make it over and it's in the budget, yes, absolutely. And, and if you're looking for show. something, something different, different, unique, correct, and or you got that evening free maybe when you arrive and you didn't correct. want to do a park, but you want to do something special yes. to kind of kick it off. I think it'd be great for a date night or something special. You know, a lot of people ask about what's something special I can do to celebrate a birthday, an anniversary, whatever. Mm. I think it's great for that. Obviously, we're at Disney Springs. Plenty of places to eat. You can get dressed up. You're not having to walk all over a theme park in fancy clothes, so you can very easily park and and eat and then see a show. I think it's a great idea for that. And the show isn't long. It was an hour and a half, like almost exactly. And so it's not like you're, you know, you do go to a Broadway show and you're three hours clocked in for Broadway. This this was less. So that's that's nice too for an evening. Uh, that that is so true. I'm often going to a show or a movie and thinking, okay, I could could have shaved 10 or 12 minutes off of this. I felt like it came to the right conclusion at the right time. I knew where it was going and where it was. It 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 hit the landing. Um, it, you know, so any final thoughts on the show? We recommend it. We loved it. Better than Golden Mickey's. Overall a wonderful show. Not not much more to say. Got it. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you sharing your thoughts on this show. Appreciate it. All right. Let's go through 
the elements of this show and why I think this show succeeds on many levels. Let me just start off by saying this show is superb. This may be one of the finest Disney shows I have ever seen. I'll put in some little moments why it isn't quite that for me. But I would say of shows I have seen created globally and in arenas for Disney, this is probably the most remarkable show I have ever seen. The first is the venue. And even though I didn't care for Lanuba, the Cirque du Soleil style venue is terrific. The seats give great views of everything going on. I, I think you'll feel a little more distant at the top in the back row, but notwithstanding, you should be able to see it all and it should encompass you. And it's, it is just, and, and these characters do a great job of portraying themselves in a way that you catch what's going on. You don't miss out wherever you sit. So the venue is superb. The artists, this is a cast drawn from 15 countries around the world. That includes Japan. It includes Russia, Colombia, Peru, they are all superb. They are the best of the best in their particular skill sets, and they are a wonder to watch. The challenge I have with them is there's so much to watch, it's difficult for you to, say, to really focus on even their acts because I am mesmerized by everything going around in terms of staging and set design and color and animation, which brings me to my next thing. I am a big fan of staging, set design, lighting, and all these kinds of issues. When you set, when you step into this theater, you feel like you have entered an era that would be 1939. You have these ambers, you have these wood tones, you have dusty animation pages, and you have been brought into a bygone era where animation is truly brought to life. The clown animators have a style of costumes that would suggest a 40s style. The furnishings and furniture suggest a 40s style. Um, Julie, you kind of are brought to this somewhere between 1939 and 1949, I would say, in terms... Now, mind you, the animation goes far beyond that, but the the tones and by the way they took advantage of the venue the staging venue which allows different tiers of the stage to go up and down up high and and a lot of stuff to come up and down in the from the rafters it just is a movement that that stage is alive during the show made even more alive by animation and lighting and projection work. And let me talk about the animation first. There is a lot of traditional um, style animation, particularly hand-drawn, not the final finishes. In fact, a lot of it is the, the sketch work that went into the animation. And what happens is, is that they take these stills and they, and they shoot them and then they put them into the show. And so you have moments like Pinocchio dancing on stage or Peter Pan soaring through the air, Cinderella receiving her gown. Um, a lot of classic animation is brought to the story, but even 
animation that goes beyond the era of the Jungle Book, which was the last one that Walt really oversaw, um, even though it premiered after his lifetime. You have moments from even Olaf, you have moments from Beauty and the Beast, from The Little Mermaid, from Mulan. You have those moments coming too, but they are all brought to you in this classic animation style and led by Eric Goldberg and his team, and they have done an amazing job, including these drawings that Julie does of her um, trying to find herself and, and soar. Uh, lighting and projection work. Wow. Um, the lighting is just spectacular. And you, and while you have a lot of black and white at times, you and these ambers, you then, when you go to color, you feel the color. And added to that was the projection work of taking these animated drawings. You'll see different costume characters. You'll see different um, scene, scenic pieces all in movement, and somehow these, these, these things are able to be projected on. Very, very cleverly staged, very uh, done in a very precise, timely style. The lighting is beautiful. Um, there is one a situation in which they are um, kind of depicting a multi-plane animation with the backdrop, and the, it's, they're individually lit, to create that multi-plane style. It's just fantastic stuff. Costumes and makeup, they, they're very supportive, very colorful, lending to the physicality of the characters. I mentioned the red and black lines in the characters during the inner world of animation, but you also have the elastic styles of makeup on the squash and stretch group. Everybody, the beauty of the of the young women who are on the unicycles as, as, as fairies, as kind of the blue fairy kind of being depicted there. Just all fantastic. The last element that I'll mention is the music. Uh, Benoit Joutras, I think is how you pronounce his name. He is the composer. And clearly he has done his homework in going back through a lot of classic and contemporary Disney music to bring into the show. Now, what he does is he doesn't just say, okay, let's drop that music here and let's hear You Can Fly, for instance, or Beauty and the Beast. Instead, he kind of creates his own version of those and ties that to the gymnastic work of the performers. Um, if I was to say um, the disappointing thing for me is that sometimes I wanted just a little bit more Disney touch into it. That said, the score is cinematic, it is orchestral in nature, it is full. It is a full sound, and it's a beautiful sound. And the first thing I want to do is go buy the CD, which is, I, I have yet to find the CD of this, but it is something you would want to sit and listen to as you were working at your desk um, on, on an afternoon it is just, it's just beautifully done. In summary, I would say that um, I paid a, about 140, maybe 140 plus tax to see this show. So this per ticket, this is a lot of money in my view to go see this show. Um, the challenge is, is I'm going to have to pay it again because my wife ended up not being able to go at the last minute and she has got to see the show. 
And now I'm thinking other members of my family need to see this show too. I am out money to come. The good news is if you can plan it, you can find times where there are either discounts or off-season lower pricing. So the pricing does go up and down depending on the time of year. Obviously, you're going to pay more the Christmas week. Um, but for what I paid, absolute value. I found it to be, and, and it's a show where I want to go back and see because there's so many pieces I'm now trying to put together and what did that mean and how was that symbolized and what is the, what is the gesture here? It has so much to offer. And I would say, and of all the circus shows I have seen, and I have seen my share over my lifetime, this is so above and beyond anything I have done before. I can be critical of shows, it's really hard to be critical of this one. The energy and the skill set of these performers and the the beauty in which they have woven the the magic of Disney animation throughout this is I can't I, I, I sat there thinking, oh my gosh, you know if only um, the, the nine old men or or or, or others could have sat and seen this show during their lifetimes, I think they would have, they would have, they would have cried to have seen their work put out to the level it was um, portrayed. Who would have ever imagined that hand-drawn animation could be brought into this kind of theatrical piece like it has? It is impressive and definitely worth seeing. All right, I think this has been enough positive expletives for this particular show. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Check out our Wayfinder Society as our Patreon group seeks to continue bringing these podcasts to you with uh, um, tools and in, um, interactive media that you can use for planning your next Disney vacation or or in the case of our upper tiers, actually learning about Disney's best in business philosophies. Do, do check it out. You, uh, the link is right there on the show notes page. And and uh, and uh, take, a, take a test drive of what this looks like because it only begins at $1 per month. Thank you for being part of this show. Thank you for um, listening in the, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great holiday weekend. See you real soon.